What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Hey, welcome back to the Social Ed Podcast. This is episode 94. Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know those answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit, it does sound too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit hubspot.com startups. And today, if you've been wondering what the hell this SEO word that keeps getting thrown around is or how you can get a little bit more love from the Google machine, you are going to love today's guest. Kate Toon is an award-winning SEO copywriter and SEO consultant with over two decades of experience in all things advertising, digital, and writing. She's worked with big brands such as eHarmony and Kmart, and she's helped countless small businesses produce great content and improve their copywriting and their SEO. She's also the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse. She co-hosts the Hot Copy Podcast, and she's the host of the Recipe for SEO Success Podcast. I just really love Kate's approach to SEO because it's an industry that's honestly so full of people promoting expert hacks and frogs that could basically get you in major trouble with Google and harm your organic traffic. And she's just so like open and honest and a diamond in the rough in the SEO industry. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now and we're going to dive straight into the interview. Enjoy. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on Social Ed. It is great to have you here. Very, very excited to be here. So one thing that you might not know, and that is that I actually came across you the first time at We Are Podcast way back in 2016 Ah, when when you spoke about SEO for iTunes. And if it wasn't for those tips, I think quite a few of today's listeners wouldn't actually be listening to the podcast. So thank you very much for that. 
That's very exciting. I also fell up, fell on the stage at that uh, conference as well. I don't know if you remember. As I was trying to get up to speak, I fell over. So that was a beautiful oh, moment. <laughs> I don't remember that. So. Oh, good. Why did I bring it up? Damn it. <laughs> uh, so for those of my listeners who aren't familiar with Kate Toon and with what you do, please tell us, what do you do? Well, I've got two different sides to my business. The first is I help copywriters be better copywriters through my business, The Clever Copywriting School. But I think what we're more interested in talking about today is my other half of my business, which is the Recipe for SEO Success, which is an online learning hub for all things search engine optimization and trying to make Google fall in love with your website. So I've got courses and resources and a podcast and I speak at events around Australia and the world next year, which is exciting, helping small business owners grapple the Google beast, basically. I love it. You make you make SEO, which is like quite a dry topic, seem a little bit more sexy. So I love that. <laughs> how, how exactly did you get to be where you are now? Like what does your career or your business path so far look like? Well, I worked in agency world for a long time. So I started working in online marketing back in 1997. And I built Marks wow. and Spencer's website, the e-commerce site back then, first ever e-commerce site in the UK. So quite a long time. I worked in agencies in London and in Sydney. And then about 10 years ago, I went freelance and I focused in on SEO from day dot because I'd done yeah. a fair bit in my agency life. And also I needed it for my own business because I came into a very crowded market. So for the last 10 years, I've moved from being a service-based business, so helping people with copywriting and SEO one-on-one, and now I don't have any clients, and instead I teach and uh, sell courses and things. So I've moved more into kind of passive income and I'm doing air fingers because <laughs> there's no such thing yeah. oh, I know I'm discovering the exact same thing actually like I'm building courses and things and yeah it's definitely not passive it's a lot of work <laughs> it is it is awesome so yeah as you as I mentioned I'd love to dive a little bit more into SEO because I mean like so many so many of my listeners have reached out and said hey we want to know more about SEO I'm not really the best place person to teach them about this. So like what, Kate, tell us, what the heck is SEO? Well, the acronym stands for search engine optimization, which isn't particularly helpful. But essentially, it's all about just trying to make Google, and we do focus on Google because they have the biggest market share in Australia and in the world. And also pretty much if you make it work for Google, it will work for the other search engines. So it's trying to make uh, Google fall in love with your website. Yeah, And the more that it loves it, the higher it's going to rank it in the search engine results pages. And therefore, you're going to get more traffic and more conversions. And Google is a little bit funny about telling us how to make us fall in love with it. Uh, So it has a long checklist of things that it wants, some of which it will tell us and others it tries to make us work out ourselves, which is a little bit annoying. So often a Google will announce something like, hey, we want everybody to have a secure site or, hey, everybody, we're moving to mobile first indexing. So that means your site has to be really look great on a mobile. But then lots of other things they don't outright tell us and we have to work it out ourselves. And people like me and other SEO consultants, we do little experiments to work out what works and what doesn't. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm passing on in my courses and my uh, free groups and things like that. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Well, it is. And I think a a lot of people are put off SEO because they think that it's too technical. Yeah. um, Which is is and isn't true. And that it changes all the time, which, again, is and isn't true. And the changes thing is 
most of the changes that Google makes to how it ranks sites are aimed at getting rid of naughty people, people who are trying to trick Google and mislead them into thinking that their content is good when really it's not. It's not aimed at people like us. So, and most of the big updates as well, they kind of coincide with human reactions. So, they, you know, they recently announced that speed was definitely going to be part of the algorithm. And that makes sense because we're all looking at sites on our mobile. Yeah. No one wants to wait. And then they did an update where they said, hey, if you've got one of those big, ugly pop-ups on your homepage, we're going to de-rank you. And that makes sense because we hate those too. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't change that much. And most of the changes are common sense. Actually, just on that pop-ups thing. So have you have you noticed through your testing, have you noticed that pages with the pop-ups have had... Um, like, I don't know, penalties or whatever the correct word is. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't get a penalty. Really, Google only issues penalties in extreme cases. So right. what you find is that you, it's not that you've dropped out of the index altogether. It's just that you're moving from page one to page five, six, seven, eight, which is essentially like not being on Google. Yeah. And, and you know, I haven't anecdotally noticed that, but this is one of the ones where Google just said, they actually told us directly, you know, if you have a pop-up, make sure it's delayed so it launches maybe after 45 seconds or right. on exit make sure on a mobile and on a desktop it doesn't cover the entire content make sure it's easy to get rid of like you click the little x make sure it doesn't launch every single time someone visits <laughs> right yes uh, so it kind of that's one of the great ones where google just laid it all out for us and told us exactly what to do so basically just don't annoy your visitors and your suite it, Yes, exactly. Okay, easy. <laughs> so just be considerate. You know, it's like when you meet someone at a networking event and they shove their business card in your face after one second. You've got to woo people a bit first. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, taking it back a step. So why should someone spend the time and the energy and in some cases the money on SEO when they could spend that time, I don't know, growing their email list or trying to get more Instagram followers or the glitzy, glamorous things? Well, I think the, the difference is that with search engines, people actually want you. They've gone to that search engine with a problem, with a question, with a desire, and they type in keywords until they find someone that matches that, and then they purchase or they get in touch. With Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, it's all accidental. Like, I don't, if I want to buy a new handbag, I don't sit on Facebook and hope that an ad comes up, you know, and definitely don't use their search function for yeah. that. You know, I think Instagram's more about impulse purchases. Believe me, I've done that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, but they say that something like 70% of all business transactions start with a Google search. So people on Google are ready to convert. All you need to do is be in the right place and they're going to convert with you. So that is super powerful. And just the volume of searches that happen every month, the amount of traffic you could get. And the other thing is that with SEO, yes, it can be a bit of a slower learning curve and it can take a bit longer to build that momentum. But once it's done, it has long lasting results. So, for example, I have a blog post that I wrote in 2009, which still every month delivers 4,000 unique visitors to my site. Wow. I haven't touched it, haven't changed it. So a piece of content that I wrote that long ago took a while for it to build up, but now it's just working for me every day. Yeah. Unlike ads where when I stop paying my money, I lose my clicks or Instagram, I post the thing and then it's lost in the feed. SEO stays around for a long time. I love that. Okay. So if somebody wants to start implementing some SEO in their business and they want to start getting all of the Google love, where do they start? 
Well, uh, the first place I start is with a good website. And that can be really tough because how do you know that your website is good? There's a Mm. lot of people out there saying, hey, I'll do you an SEO package or I'm going to build you an SEO friendly website. And then when I have a look at them, I'm like, "Mm, they haven't really done anything. So it's super important to get a recommendation, not from your friend or for some random stranger on Facebook, but from somebody who knows what good SEO is and what a good SEO friendly website is. Um, You need to make sure that site is fast. So it loads under three seconds, ideally. And there's a great little tool. I'll send you the link called Pingdom, Pingdom. which will allow you to check that. So I'll add that so you can add that to your show notes. Yeah, great. You need to make sure it looks great on a mobile. Mm -hmm. So you actually need to play with your site. And you need to make sure that Google's crawling everything in your site. And there's another great tool called Google Webmaster Tools, uh, which is free, which will tell you if Google's happy with your site. So that's the basic foundations. Yeah. And then after that, the next step is really, really thinking about what your customers are typing into Google. And it probably isn't what you think, especially now with conversational search and the fact that we can talk to devices. Hey, Google, what do I da da? You know, hey, Siri, where's the best pizza parlor? Google is changing. People aren't typing things in anymore. They're talking to it and they're asking questions. Mm. So you need to know what those questions are and then have the answers to those questions on your site, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Backtracking to when you said somebody who's building your website and trying to find that right person to do it. Mm. Say that you don't have somebody you can ask for a recommendation. How, how do you... so? What sort of questions can you ask them to find out if they're the right person? What sort of red flags can you look for? Well, I think price is always a red flag. So Mm. if it seems too good to be true, if it's cheap, really, really cheap, then just think about that. You know, how are they doing it that cheap? Most of the time, even if they're maybe an Australian provider, they are not doing it. They're outsourcing it to someone overseas. Um, I think you need to really go through what plugins they're installing. So you would want to install um, Yoast and a security plugin and a backup plugin and also, um, you know, a form plugin, you know, that's really important. Are they going to write your title tags and meta descriptions and pop them in? Um, Are they going to build you a site that loads under five seconds or three Mm -hmm. seconds? Um, Are they going to submit you to Google Search Console and Google Webmaster Tools? Um, And I mean, also, feel free to join my group on Facebook. People ask me for recommendations all the time. And I have a list of of suppliers who I know have done the course and who are good people and also who wouldn't dare uh, (laughs) let anybody down. And that's helpful. But the truth is just like with any industry, you don't 100% know. Um, And that can be really scary. So, you know, I think it's finding a source of truth, a source of trust and then putting your faith in them and also having someone that has a reputation to protect. So if you go and get someone a Fiverr and they do a bad job, well, they just change their Fiverr name the next day and they're someone else and you've got no recourse. So picking someone who has a reputation to protect can be helpful as well. Yeah. Okay. I know, I know that you mentioned the Yoast plugin and that's on WordPress. What about for other websites, uh, other platforms? So if somebody's building a website on, say, Shopify or Squarespace or Wix, are they equally as good for SEO as WordPress or? Well, look, I think Google doesn't care what platform you're on. It doesn't look and go, oh, that's Squarespace. I don't like it. But <laughs> I, I guess the truth is that WordPress just makes SEO easier. 
It's just easier. The difference is, is that Squarespace, Shopify, Wix, Weebly, they are closed platforms. People like me and you can't get into the back end and fiddle and fix things. We have to wait until Shopify decides it wants to fix that bug. And then we get that bug fixed. WordPress, anybody can develop for WordPress. So there are thousands of plugins and themes and solutions to every problem. At the end of the day, I think they're all catching up. So I think Shopify and Squarespace are a lot better than they used to be. I actually did a big analysis of Wix versus WordPress. And don't get me wrong, WordPress still won, but it was, wasn't as far apart from Wix as it used to be. So I think the choice between what platform you go for is really about who you are. Are yeah. you someone that likes fiddling and fixing? Do you have a developer that you really trust and love? If you don't, then go with something like Wix or Shopify or Squarespace because you've got their support. You're paying for that support. You don't have to get into the nitty gritty. WordPress is a harder learning curve. Ultimately, will be better for SEO, I, I think. But it's not for everybody. Not everyone wants to get their hands dirty. So yeah. it's not it's not a black and white thing. I'm not like WordPress is great. <laughs> yes, you know, it's it's a bit more subtle than that. Yeah, and I mean, with WordPress, like it is more powerful, but there is more that can go wrong. So there is exactly. Yeah. You've got to worry about backups and hosting and oh, security. You know, and and it's all very easy if you get the right plugins. It's all doable. But if you're just starting out and you're just starting a new business, you can knock up a Wix site in a day, you know, and then maybe six months from now when you've got some income and you're more confident online and you've found a good developer, then you move to WordPress, you know, so there you go. Great. I'm so glad you went. I'm so glad we went through that because I feel like there is a lot of misinformation out there. Oh, really? There really is. I think people just bang the WordPress drum and then when you really sit them down and go, why? Explain to me why it's better. Most people don't know. And I spent a lot of time comparing the two and it isn't that much better. There's only a few little things. They're quite important. Schema, um, I won't go into them now. But (laughs) if you're just starting out and most of your audience is going to be family, friends, friends of friends, you're driving traffic through Instagram and social, you know, just you want to get something up quickly. And I think there's nothing wrong with Wix or Squarespace or Shopify. Great. Okay, great. So now that we've got that sorted, now (laughs) the next thing is... How on earth do you know what your people are searching for? Well, I think if you know your products well, you should have a fairly good idea. So you should be able to brainstorm a list of keyword phrases, questions and adjectives that associate with your brand fairly easily. You know, maybe sit down with a friend and a glass of wine and just no idea is a bad idea. There are great (laughs) tools out there like Uber Suggest Suggest. and uh, Ask the Public and Keyword.io. I can send you all these links. Yes, please. You just put in your base words to say you make uh, handmade jumpers. Mm -hmm. You put them in and it will spit out a big long list of other keywords that you might want to use. And then you can use those same tools to look at really three things you want to be looking at. How much traffic does that keyword get? Because you might come up with a great keyword, then put it into Google and it's like no one's searching for this. Actually, (laughs) Then also how much competition yeah. But if it's really competitive, like the shorter the keyword phrase, the more competitive it's going to be. So sure. handmade jumpers, probably pretty competitive, lots of traffic. But if you did handmade organic llama wool jumpers, yeah. there'd be less traffic, there'd be less competition and higher chance of conversion because that person knows exactly what they want. And if you yeah. sell made llama, so perfect. And then after you've done that, it's really a case of popping the keyword into Google seeing who ranks and thinking about whether you could beat them. If you put it in and Maya and David Jones are coming in, 
you're probably not going to beat them. <laughs> but if the people who are coming up are other llama wool jumper companies in your area, similar sites, you probably could beat them. So it's just, it's a process of common sense. There's no golden keyword that's going to solve all your problems. And I talk about keyword research in one of my uh, low cost courses. Um, and, it, you know, it is just, the funny thing is, is you spend a long time coming up with a list of keywords, you do all the analysis, and you pretty much end up with the same list that you started with. I know that sounds silly, but it's, you know, you realize that jumper is impossible, you know, <laughs> and you, the, the longer the phrase, the easier it's going to be to get. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And do you, do you go backwards? So you, you find the keywords first, and then you create the content around it? Or do you... Yeah, you're nodding. Yeah, so. you, you, I'm nodding. Sorry, I'm nodding on a podcast. That's not very good. Yeah, you find the keywords and what you try and do is group them together. So, you know, yeah. say you've got llama wool jumpers. Well, llama wool jumper is essentially the same keyword. So you group together plurals, you group together synonyms. So llama wool jumper and llama wool pullover, you wouldn't have two separate pages for that because someone searching for a pullover would be satisfied with a jumper result. So you make them into little clumps, little mm-hmm. groups of keywords, and then you pick a winner out of all of those. You say, look, the most popular phrase, what with the most traffic is llama wool jumper. That's going to be my focus phrase. Right. And that's the phrase that you focus on when you're writing the page. And you would put that phrase into the title tag, the headline, the first hundred words of copy. You'd name your image llama hyphen wool hyphen jumper. And then you'd maybe put it a few other places in the page. Once you've done that, that's enough. Don't keep using that word again and again and again. Then you go to the other little keywords in your group, your synonyms, and you maybe use those in the other image or in the subhead or in the body. So you're creating this piece of content that has a focus and then is rich because you've used other phrases within that page. And that's all you really need to do. Right. So could you use the same focus keyword for more than one page or is it just no. one? No. So once you've okay. chosen, it's like a one-to-one relationship. That keyword is married to that page or post or product. Once you've used that keyword, especially if it's a long one, like organic llama wool jumper, you wouldn't want to use that for multiple pages because what happens then is something called keyword cannibalization. Google comes to your site and it goes, oh, You've got five pieces of content that are all optimized for this phrase. I don't know which one to pick. So I'm not going to pick any of them. I'm going to pick your competitor's page because they've only got one page focused on that. So you actually, you'd think it would work, wouldn't you? I really want to rank for this. I'll use it on everyone. No, no, no. Google looks at your site as a whole, but it judges individual pages. So each page post product is one ticket in the SEO lottery. And it's like you've written that keyword on the back of that ticket you put it in the lottery. That's gone. Now you need another ticket and another piece of content. Yeah. If you're enjoying Imperfect Action, I have another podcast recommendation that I think you're going to love. It's called Mistakes That Made Me. It's hosted by Iman Ismail and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Mistakes That Made Me is the podcast that asks extraordinary business owners to share their biggest business mistake. So you know what not to do on your road to success. Now, as you know, I'm a big fan of learning from mistakes that I've made in the past, and I'm big about sharing those with you as well. So join Iman as she chats to some of the smartest minds in business about how to push through failure. On the show, she's interviewed some of the same awesome guests that you will have already met on this show, such as Tarzan Kay and Kirsty Fanton. So go on over and listen to Mistakes That Made Me wherever you get your podcasts. 
So then if you say you were selling those organic handmade llama wool jumpers yeah, and you made, that was the product page and you were ranking for that, you were trying to rank for that keyword on the product page. Yeah. Does that mean that you can't then use that keyword in blog posts or is it fine if you link to the page? How does that work? No, it's, it's still the blog post could compete with, compete with the product page. Yeah. Or so you wouldn't right. want to do that. So maybe you would just use a slightly ver- different variation of it. And the longer the keyword phrase, the more obvious that cannibalization is. Now, obviously, if you sell jumpers, you can yeah. use the word jumper all over the site. And if you sell lambs wool, llama wool jumpers, you're going to use the word llama wool jumper all over the site. But it's probably not a good idea to have child, you know, purple organic wool llama jumper as a keyword phrase and use that on multiple pages because they are going to go, there's going to be a blog post and a product and Google's going to go, which one do I rank? I'm going to rank the blog post. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. The product's the thing that makes me money. Now, yes, you can solve that problem by linking between them, but really you just can't, you want to kind of, you know, put the focus on the product because that's the thing that makes you money. And anyway, really blog posts would, should be more about like, how do I wash a llama jumper? Where can I bother? Which is the best? You know, they're, they're yes. more informational. So they should have a slightly different keyword focus, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but when you're writing the blog post, you, I guess you don't want to have it completely stuffed and unpleasant to read. How do you find that balance between writing for Google and writing for people? Well, you always write for people first. So the way that I write is I write my focus keywords on a post-it note and I stick it on my monitor. Mm -hmm. Then I go away and write the most engaging, fun product description, blog post or page that I can possibly write. After I've done that, I go back and I go, did I use this keyword in the title, in the headline, in the body copy? And if not, I add it in. Did I use any of the synonyms that I came up with? And if not, I add them in. And, you know, I... Because it is tricky, I made I made a lot of paint by numbers templates. So I've got a paint by numbers product description template that says, use it here. No, 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 don't use it here. You've used it enough, you know, and that's <laughs> what you need. So I, there's all those little templates are available in my shop and they just make it easy. The thing is, when you start adding your keyword, it improves your chances of ranking. If you keep adding it, you mm. kind of plateau. And if you add it even more, you'll be in the keyword saturation where Google goes, this content does not read well for humans because it's just the same word again and again and again. One way of doing it is to read it out and shout every time you have your keyword. And if you're (laughs) shouting a lot, you've used it too much. But I think think you'll realize you can tell when copy's been keyword stuffed. I'm sure you've read it. It's it's horrible. Oh, I'm a window cleaner in Sydney and I clean windows in Sydney and they clean those windows in Sydney. And it's like, (laughs) oh my God, you know? Stop it. Yes. Oh, I love I love the Yoast plugin actually that you mentioned before. Like that is really good and it tells you when you've got too many keywords in there because sometimes like they just slip in and you don't realize it. Yeah, I get carried away. Or or that you haven't used it enough. Like you were trying to focus on something, but you kind of lost your way a little bit and didn't end up using the words that you meant to. So yeah, it's good in both respects. And you know, Squarespace has an SEO uh, plugin that you can use. Shopify does too. And they're not as good as Yoast, but they are very helpful. So Yeah. yeah. Great. And then, okay, so like with my basic, very, very basic knowledge of SEO, I know that we're supposed to be trying to build links to our site. How important is that in terms of priorities? So, so, so important. So if you've got your, you've built your site with a good developer, you've chosen your keywords, you've written your pages. And the next thing that most people think they need to do is start blogging like idiots. I must (laughs) blog once a week. I must blog all the time. 
Blogging is a slow path to SEO success. And Google doesn't care how regularly you post blogs. It's not looking really? you go. No, it, it doesn't care about um, frequency. Uh, it doesn't care, care about regularity. It cares about the best content. Right. So if you can write a 2,000 word fabulous blog post every week with links and images and stats and a download and click to tweets yeah. and graphics, have at it. I can't. I manage one <laughs> a month. So links is a lot faster path to SEO success. So why? Because Google, but there's this notional idea of SEO juice that flows through the internet. And what happens when someone links to your site is a little bit of that SEO juice flows from their site to yours. And some sites have more SEO juice than others. So a site like the Sydney Morning Herald, heaps of SEO juice or authority. Yeah, yeah. Um, A site like your mum's cat blog, not so much SEO juice. <laughs> so a link from Sydney Morning Herald is worth more to you than a link from your mum's cat blog. Sorry, mum. Sorry, mum. But most <laughs> of us are at the cat blog level and we just need to mop up all the juice we can get. Yeah. So the idea is, that, you know, you start with easy wins like directories and, you know, things like True Local and Yellow Pages. Get links. They're easy to get. Links from social media don't count. Right. They don't pass SEO juice. So I'm sorry. Posting <laughs> on Facebook won't improve your seo juice or your authority so what can you do you know one of the re things i recommend is you know giving out love like giving testimonials to people because yeah. if i give a testimonial for some service you gave me what are you going to do with it you're going to put it on your site and you're going to say this was from kate toon and you might link back to my site mm. um you know i might write guest blogs for somebody i might appear on this amazing podcast called that i'm on right now and if you do <laughs> my bio you're likely to link back to my site and that earns yes. me a the only big important thing with links is if you're going to go to the effort of trying to get one, make sure that someone is giving you a, a proper link, not a no follow link. Because okay. if someone adds a, a little thing called no follow, it means the traffic still comes, but the SEO juice doesn't. So you often find that big, like magazine style sites, like, you know, Huffington Post or whatever, their, their links are no follow. So yes, you're getting the traffic, you're getting the acclaim, you're getting your name on there, but you're not getting the juice. So it's very important to check that before you you write a big, wonderful blog post, you know. How can you check that? Do you just ask them? You literally ask them. Right. Yeah, especially if you're guest posting, you literally say, is it, it can I just check it's not going to be a no-follow link? And right. they will be honest about it because, they, you know, anybody who's accepting guest blogs understands the exchange. They're getting free yeah. content you're getting the brand awareness and the backlink and that's the deal, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to start doing guest blogging and you, you want to start posting for sites that are a bit bigger than your mum's cat blog, <laughs> how, how do you go about A, finding them and B, getting posts published? It's much easier than you think because most people are desperate for content. You know, these people are having to pump out content all the time. Yeah. They've got a schedule. So I think you, it's like with um, press releases. Remember in the days of all, you make their life easy. So don't just go, hey, I'm great. I'd love to write a blog for you. It's like, hey, I'm great. Here's what I do. Here are three blog post suggestions. Here are the titles. Here are five bullets that I'm going to mention, points. Um, here's some of my previous work so you can check me out. Would you be interested? You know. And in terms of finding opportunities, you know, I think it's like, type in your what you do you know handmade whatever and look for directories look for magazines so handmade plus magazine handmade plus directory and um, ask in facebook groups the best thing i find those peer-to-peer -peer. so 
you know, say you make handmade llama jumpers, because we're obsessed with that now, and you know somebody else who makes really gorgeous resin earrings or something. Mm. Now, you are not in competition with each other, but there could be some synergy between you. So is there yeah. an opportunity to interview or to, to interview that handmade resin person and do have, feature them on your site? And then what are they going to do with that? They're going to share that on their socials. They're probably going to link to it as well. You've got some love, you know, yes. or could you submit a guest blog to them? 10 things you never knew about making jumpers that might, or, or 10 ways to pick the perfect earrings to go with your jumper. I don't know. That's a yeah. terrible idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I looking, love that. Looking for peer-to-peer, building relationships, that really, really works. Yeah, rather than just going out there and trying to straight away pitch the Sydney Morning Herald. The giant ones, exactly. Yeah. It's the same with like influencer marketing on Instagram. I think people are getting very sick of, you know, sending their earrings to some big famous celeb with all these followers and they don't do anything with it. Whereas if you go with a micro person who's maybe only got 3,000 people, you get the love. The exactly. same applies to SEO, I think. You know, yeah. start small. Start with people who are like you and scratch each other's backs, I think. Yeah, I love that. Okay, and so are there any other key elements that somebody needs to start thinking about if they want to start implementing SEO? Well, really, we've, we've covered them. So we've covered yeah. tech, keywords, optim- on-page optimization, mm-hmm. backlinks, after that, it's content marketing. So it's probably all the stuff you're already doing. Yes. <laughs> Getting your brand out there. The big thing in 2019, I think, is all around personal branding. It's getting really, really hard to be found for what you do, but it's always going to be easier to be found for who you are. So someone searching Sydney copywriter, I think I still yeah. rank number one, but I've had about 150 copywriters do my course. They're starting to outrank me <laughs> because... But no one is really going to be able to claim Kate Toon. There aren't many other Kate Toons. I own that brand. Didn't, so you, have, more... <laughs> didn't you have someone emailing you a spam email pretending to be Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there is a dentist somewhere in the UK called Kate Toon who must hate my life. But <laughs> I think, you know, the goal is to have your name on people's list, lips. So if yeah. you do a thing... When someone says, hey, who's a great designer? They go, ah, Sue Smith, you know, or Sue, hopefully your name's not Sue Smith because that's really hard to rank for. Um, You know, that's why it's really important with your brand name to come up with something a bit quirky and a bit unusual, especially if you've got a really boring name like John Smith. Make your brand memorable. Don't just try and shove keywords in there. You know, so some people are like, should I go for like Sydney window cleaner? Because that's like my keywords and I'm going to rank number one. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to remember that. Whereas no. if you're called like Bob's Bubbly Bubbles, I'm always going to remember Bob's Bubbly Bubbles. <laughs> and if someone recommends that to me and I go to Google and type in Bob's Bubbly Bubbles, I'm only going to get you. If I type in Sydney Window Cleaner, I'm going to get you and all your competitors. Right. So it's all about personal branding. And how do we build up personal branding? By being on podcasts, by doing Facebook Live videos, by going to events and handing out our business cards, by being present and not necessarily consistent, but turning up yeah, and having conversations and being ourselves and having some personality in our brand. And being a nice person. And being nice. I'm all about good karma. Yeah. Help people. One of the things I do, which sounds so woo-woo and cheesy, is I put aside an hour a week and two half-hour blocks to just go into other people's Facebook groups and help people. I love that. drop my link. I don't sell them anything. I just answer questions. So I go to the search box. I type in copywriting or SEO or passive income or Facebook, and I answer people's questions. And I don't know if it comes back directly from those people, but the universe does reward you. So... 
Yes. That's great. I love that. Okay, cool. So we've pretty much covered like all the things you need to do to implement SEO. How do you know whether your efforts have been a success? Well, I think it's very important to have Google Analytics and also to get Google Search Console set up. So Google Search Console will tell you all the problems. It's it's like Google Analytics' ugly brother. So it will tell you if you've got any tech problems, if you've done all that right. You know, okay, your site is working well, it's speedy, that's great, done. Google Analytics, you want to be looking at um, your referral channels and you want to be seeing your organic search figures going up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe you were getting a lot of traffic from Instagram because that's where you're wasting your time. (laughs) Joking. I love Instagram sometimes. Uh, But your organic (laughs) search traffic is going up. You want to be seeing things like your time on site going up. So people are spending longer on your site. Right. Um, They're looking at maybe multiple pages. But the great thing with Google Analytics is you can set up something called goals. Really easy. There's YouTube videos. And it will track through and it will say this person came from search. They looked at this page, they looked at this page, and then they submitted your contact form. So you can actually see the flow of where people come. And also you can, in Google Search Console, it will tell you all the keywords that you rank for and where you rank, what position you rank in, and how much traffic you're getting from them. So you can see that, look, I was getting no traffic from Organic Llama Wool Jumper, but now I've optimized my page for it and built some links. Ah, I'm getting 50 new visitors a month. So... It's those two tools that will really help you. There are other tools, paid tools like SEMrush and Moz and Ahrefs, but they're expensive. You know, they're out of the budget of most people. You could share a license with someone else or get a free trial. But really, Google Analytics and Google Search Console will tell you an awful lot. And you know the number one way you're going to be able to tell? It's not by Googling yourself because it won't be accurate. It will show you what you want to see. It's by the number of inquiries you're getting, the amount of money you're making. That's the true measure of whether your SEO is working. That's so funny because that's the true measure. That's I keep telling my audience that's the true measure of anything. Instagram, Facebook ads, any of that is whether your bottom line increases. It's not the number of likes you got and the percentage (laughs) of people who found you through tags. I mean, that's all great. But I the thing is, and I think this is so important, I don't even look at my Google Analytics. because I'm too busy reconciling the payments going through my zero account. The day that I have, don't have enough payments going through my zero account. That's when I'll go and check my analytics to see what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I love that. That sounds really cynical, but I can't remember the last time I checked because the money is coming in and people, the other thing, it's not just all about money. The good vibes are there. And I think that's really, that sounds so woo woo, but there's a good general vibe about what I'm doing and I feel that I think you know that don't you you feel it intrinsically so those two things are how I measure my success bit woo woo but there you go no that's great (laughs) (laughs) okay so when can how long does it take then to start seeing those results like you start trying to implement SEO and then suddenly start seeing the payments in your bank account like the next day yeah, definitely. Next day. No, <laughs> unfortunately. Look, it's funny though, but I've had people come on my course and we fixed one bug in their site. Boom. They've gone to the first page. Wow. You know, maybe somebody came on and they, they've been doing their site. They'd had their site for like two years, but they'd never tested the speed and their site was taking 17 seconds to load. So we got that down to like three and a half. And yeah, they moved from page 10 to position seven on page one. And that made a big difference. So it depends how bad your site is and what you've done wrong. For most people starting out, yeah, it's going to take three to six months. It's a slow burn. And in that interim, yeah, you keep doing Instagram. Maybe even you pay for some Google ads just to get the money coming in 
But, you know, and then hopefully over time, your Google ad budget reduces as your organic search increases. Um, but as I said, once you've optimized that product page for the right yeah. word and optimized your image and you've fixed your technical bugs, it's not like you have to do that ever again. Yeah. It's done. And then you can move into just building backlinks and content marketing. The problem is most people start with the content marketing. They start with Instagram. Yeah. They haven't optimized their site. They haven't chosen keywords. Their site is a bit broken and they've never built a link in their life. So no other site on the internet is linking to them. But they're merrily posting three times a day on Instagram thinking they're going to make big bucks. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Awesome. amazing okay well I feel like my brain is kind of exploding right now um I'd love it if you could please tell us a little bit about your course your SEO course Kate because I think I'm not I'm not I'm not much of a picture but um I have a group on Facebook called I love SEO with Kate Toon which is a great starting point if you just come in that one yeah, I'm it's in just one of your and I put tips in there and little yeah. video audits and just fun stuff. And it's a fun group as well. It's not dry. And there's no other SEO people in there trying to sell you because that's Good. my big rule. Um, and then I have a free course called SEO Nibbles, not nipples, nibbles. Nibble. <laughs> uh, so if you type that into Google, that should come up. And then I have a course that starts around the sort of $60 mark, which covers mm. off a lot of what I've taught today, Google Great. Search Console, on-page optimization, keyword choices, backlinks, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then if you're really loving SEO, you can do my big course. And that launches three times a year. And that's kind of, it's the mega, you know, the beast. The beast. And that will, that's really kind of taking you to do SEO on the level that an SEO consultant would do. Um, wow. but, but for, you know, for on your own DIY for yeah. much less money. Because SEO consultants are unfortunately rather expensive. So, yes. yes. Oh, great. Thank you so much for all your tips and advice. And I will link to you from the show notes, katetoon.com.au. katetoon.com, just .com. .com. And you can type Kate Toon into Google and thankfully a few things come up. And I will give you all the links to put in the show notes if yes, you want to please. try out some of those fun tools and see how your site is doing. That would be amazing. Thanks so much, Kate. That was great. Thanks so much.